Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. No April fooling around. You're in the doghouse here on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray of the Doghouse, and we're here on the first day of April to talk the Diamond Dogs as they hopefully don't do any fooling around in Fayetteville because, first off, it's not comfortable up there. It's a near freezing conditions, greeted the Diamond Dogs when they arrived on Thursday afternoon, including some snow. We're told that conditions will be playable for the rest of the weekend, but not exactly pleasant, except for whoever takes the series. They're going to feel all warm and fuzzy enough with games at 6 o'clock, 6.30, and 2 o'clock Central Time. What Mississippi State feels mostly at this moment is pressure, or you could say maybe they feel the heat of that, and I think they'd welcome a little warmth as far as on the field. Off the field, yeah, the heat is there because the Diamond Dogs are 16-10, and 3-3 SEC going into a third lead weekend. If last weekend against Alabama was what we called a must-win situation, and it was, This weekend is more along the lines of must not be swept. Now, that's no small matter because Bulldog teams were broomed in both the last two seasons, home and away, by Arkansas teams. In fact, Mississippi State has not won a series in Fayetteville, and I had to look this up to believe it myself, since 2007. And I also believe there's only been about four or five scattered wins in the seven series since played in Fayetteville. So, It has not been a fun road trip for Diamond Dog teams for quite a long time. Let's see, that would be one, two, three, four. You almost lose count of how many coaches would be involved in that. But there just hasn't been success up there. Okay, I could have a long way and to say a very short comment. Uh, This time, though, what will success be? Well, winning a series would be a monstrous achievement and certainly set the Bulldogs back on the right track in the SEC. More practically at the moment, you're thinking just don't get swept this time and come out of there a game under 500 SEC with a little bit more momentum because, yes, if you win anything up there in this matchup, you're going to have some momentum coming into a couple of home series against LSU and Auburn. I'm sorry if that sounds like setting the goals low, but at some point you have to be a little bit realistic based on how both the teams involved in this weekend have played. That doesn't mean that the outcome is assured by any stretch of the imagination. We'll get more into those matchups in particular, which offer the Diamond Dogs some opportunities. But they have to grab the opportunities. They didn't at Georgia. They sort of did against Alabama, and that's why right now they're tied for second in the SEC West, tied for fourth overall, but that's a six-way tie in the whole league. And after two series, of course, almost everybody's in contention at this point. I think there's also... um, some factors that uh, the home team is going to have involved because um, maybe they still stung a little bit from that 2018 series on Duty Noble Field when the state really began their second half of the season turnaround by brooming what was a number one or two ranked team from Arkansas. Certainly watching the 21 Diamond Dogs host the trophy that Arkansans thought ought to be theirs probably will provide a little bit of edge on this year's rematch. I'll leave the in-depth scouting report to our Jeans Page cohort, Mike Nemeth, only pointing out here that Arkansas is indeed hot, winners of 14 of their last 15 games with a lone hiccup last weekend at Missouri. That loss, uh, which I watched, 
it kind of gives you hope that the state can certainly pull one off as well because Arkansas is by far from unbeatable, never mind that they've been streaking in, against their, the last couple of weeks' worth of opponents. A state can, but they're going to have to play a total team game. We'll, we'll get to that again in a moment. Chris Lamonis is calling um, the Arkansas players certainly some of the most talented ones. Uh, he thinks cleanup batter Robert Moore is an elite player, two-hole hitter Peyton Stovall. I believe was the top-ranked draft prospect to come to college last year. Think about that. They've also got a couple of Division I transfers, adding experience, and a season rotation with maybe a better bullpen committee. Yes, by committee, because uh, State will not have to worry about seeing Kevin Copps this year. Enough about the Hogs, though. What are the dogs? Well, as already said, the baseline is avoid the broom. If that seems setting the sight low, I'm sorry. Reality has to be recognized. Play the best you can. Try to win any of these games. After that, go for gravy. The NCAA's updated RPIs will be out later in the morning, but the numbers we have as of Thursday evening are pretty clear-cut. The Bulldogs were 102 as of last Thursday. Now, again, that's 10 spots better than Monday. I said last Thursday, Thursday night. Uh, this past Monday, they were 112. They improved to 1-2 with the win over Memphis and other events around the game. Still, 102, A, you're in triple digits, which is not comfortable NCAA tournament selection territory by any means, even at this early stage. But they're also last in the league by far, and I mean by far. They are way behind the next lowest SEC team. Now, playing this series at Arkansas, which is number 25 on Thursday evening, they also should get a little bit of a bump up. That should help the RBI simply on SOS, strength of schedule. But as we've said before, and surely we'll be saying again, and again, and again, this Mississippi State team needs W's, SEC W's in particular. Else it could be a mighty dull June in Bulldog country, and as much as we hate to think that way, this much baseball left to play all of April, all of May, that's the kind of line the Bulldogs are in right now. You're paying the price for some of those early season losses that really drag the RPI down. In fact, some of the wins drag the RPI down as well. So State has got to start pulling off a lot of SEC wins fairly quickly, and they're going to have to do it against a pretty brutal SEC West stretch here of, again, Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, and Ole Miss. Now, yes, Mississippi State can win games this weekend. They can win any weekend should they show up and play well in all phases. That is probably as obvious a statement as I can make. But for all the February frustrations and the March hiccups and mishaps, there have been enough, more than enough, flashes, offense, pitching, and most consistently defense of a solid SEC squad when they all click together. Take the offense, and admittedly many of y'all don't want to, a state being next to last in league batting average again. By the way, Arkansas is just four points better, so they're not exactly ripping the cover off the ball to win those games. The teams are practically even in on-base rate, but believe it or not, the Bulldogs aren't merely better, but markedly so in runs, RBI, and home runs. The state began this weekend third in home runs in the SEC. We might as well call it second among the also-rans right behind Florida, because Tennessee is just running away and making a class themselves in the long balls this spring. I did write a piece this week about the Bulldogs suddenly plugging into their power, and it's not fluff. In fact, these dogs are not far off the pace, which in 1998 set a program record of 97 homers. Now, that 98 team also played postseason all the way to Omaha. This team has 43 homers already in just 26 games, 
so they're not half done with the regular schedule. Never mind postseason, a topic we'll be addressing in a moment again. That power may have a complication, though, now that I've considered it. It's, you've got to keep the big bats in some sort of sequence while finding a leadoff man. In the article accompanying this podcast, I give the doleful numbers. There have just been two hits, two, to begin the 26 games this season. There's also been a couple of walks, but two out of 24 officially, two out of 26 total. Read the story for that average if you dare. I would not. I recommend you read the story. Just forget the number. Now, left-handed Jess Davis had seemed to have leadoff under control until Mississippi State began looking more at matchups and using right-hander Luke Hancock, who typically you think would swing somewhere middle order, fourth to sixth position. So we'll be watching this week, this evening for the lineup, and see which two of those get to open this game in the batter's box. Or could another guy move into that leadoff spot, say R.J. Yeager? Well, he's been on a power trend of his own, hasn't he? But he also has some speed. He's uh, got a good batting average as well, an improving batting average, and certainly he's experienced from his years at Mercer. Uh, You could see him moving up. There are other guys you could probably move around, but at this point, center field and shortstop are the two positions that Lamonis and Jake Gotro are using mostly to match up in the batting order. So that may kind of limit your choices for the leadoff guy. And uh, as, that's certainly as long as you want to keep Cameron James in an RBI position. Of course, as I said, he the first time he's come up in games, he hasn't had anybody to drive in except a couple of times. So maybe that's kind of a moot point. Now, we talk about the offense again. You, you see, you're seeing some power, not just at the top of the order, even in the middle. You're seeing some at the end order as well. So you like that. But I guarantee you, Lamonis and staff would trade a few of those long balls, especially the solo shots, for just a well-timed contact in the earlier or middle innings that drives in a couple of guys or gets a pitcher out of the game or sets up an even bigger inning that doesn't depend on just that one shot. Yes, home runs are huge. I mean, look at the Memphis game of the night. State is blanked, I mean blanked by Memphis pitching through five innings, and then they get up in the sixth inning and boom, boom, two homers, Three runs out of a triple-A-sized park, and State's on its way to winning a midweek game that would have really been devastating to lose. Do you want to count on the home runs? Of course not, because power comes and power goes. State needs to raise the average. Everybody needs to get on base. Everybody needs to hit. You can't rely on those shots Although Arkansas is a launching pad, now that I think of it, oddly, Arkansas, the team this year, is down near the bottom of the SEC in home runs, which tells you something about the change of their offense. Remember last year they had 109 long balls? Well, if you didn't remember the number, I provided it for you. But you knew that last year they were the league leader. This year they're way down in the mid-20s, about half of what states hit out. So maybe state can take advantage of those fences on hostile territory. You know, I talk about the leadoff batter. You've got to start setting the plate there, and that includes obviously the seven, eight, nine batters as well. You start to get some production out of them, and then you bring it around. Maybe a Davis or a Hancock can use back control, move some people, and give James and Hunter Hines and others a chance to walk up there and just hammer something somewhere. So, as I noted, Mississippi State is actually superior on offense, although you could say Arkansas certainly played a better schedule. 
Oh, and by the way, these two teams also have the fewest errors in the entire league. I believe right now State has 13, Arkansas 12. So defense has not been an issue so far. Where the game separates, yeah, you guessed it, pitching. And it is significant, beginning with an earned run average. Arkansas is far superior in that category, no surprise. State has simply struggled with ERA for weeks. Uh, it began with the Georgia series, Alabama series. Starting pitching is just not getting it done as far as earned runs. They're just they're giving up runs. That's all there is to say about it. And they still look good compared to the bullpen and what's happened in too many games there as well. Now, yes, State still has many more strikeouts than Arkansas does, and that's fine and fun. The problem is, as we've discussed often before, there's just a feast and famine theme to this staff. Not only does State get more strikeouts, they give up more hits. They give up a lot more runs. They give up more home runs. And this is where the series would turn in my own mind. Mississippi State pitching has got to play at another level this weekend than they did at Athens or at home against Alabama. The same all-right-handed rotation of Preston Johnson, Parker Stendent, and Cade Smith. They've got another weekend here. There's nothing new to say about the bullpen. Y'all know the deal. The starters have just got to grind, grind into those middle innings and hopefully with some run support before handing off the, the ball to a bullpen that is that is that just is not putting all their obvious talents into actions consistently enough to close winnable games. We've talked about it before. We'll be talking about it again, I'm sure. Hopefully, though, we're talking a different tone because you see these guys come out of the pen and they have that one or two batters that just drives you nuts because you know they had them set up for the kill. You see the innings where they could finish off a team and get out of there with no damage done. And something just isn't clicking. Coach Scott Foxhall and Lamonis have talked about it. It's, uh, Lamonis had the colorful phrase that they're doing fine in an at-bat, and then they just leave that one pitch. And it gets, not only gets hit, it gets hit hard. But that means these guys are getting ahead, are battling on fairly even terms until they give up that one pitch. You start pulling that off, and all of a sudden, think of, think of what would happen if this bullpen did play to its abilities. Yes, they're still short on left-handers, so you're going to see those two guys, Pico Cone and Cam Teller, used a lot. you just got to have those lefties in there no matter what the statistics say. But if this pen put it into action what they have to work with, that would not only surprise state fans, it certainly would surprise opposing batters who have been scouting and probably licking their chops at a chance to get to these guys. Think of how that would turn not just a series around, not just a month around, an entire season around. They've got the talents, but they've got to put it together. And uh, by the way, I, I did mention too that Arkansas has not been hitting for power. Now is not the weekend you want to suddenly plug it in and get some damage done there. So guys have just got to not assume that they can blow the ball past the Razorbacks. They've got to get them out, let the defense make the plays, and just get back in the dugout and give State's offense a chance to go up there and do some damage of their own. So as said, games uh, 6, 6.30 and 2 o'clock. Um, weather not exactly great. Hopefully that changes by the two home weekends when ticket sales certainly should be strong for a pair of Tiger teams coming to town. But that's a few weeks away, so let's get through this weekend in Fayetteville first. Meanwhile, spring football, that continues. Um, Mike Leach 
put the team on the practice field twice already this week and has a Saturday session as well. Uh, we have some reports on our website, genespage.com, from our staff who've talked to assistant coaches and to certain players as allowed by media relations. More of that will pick up as camp goes on. Not a lot of news breaking out. Uh, fortunately, no injuries being reported, fingers crossed, but contact work is about to get going in earnest, and you know that's when the aches and pains start coming. So we'll be following that. And, of course, basketball front. Uh, Coach Chris Jans made his appearance on Duty Noble Field last weekend, but now he's been busy in the Mize Pavilion office. He settled his staff, and, yes, as we all wanted, George Brooks will be retained on the staff not just for his coaching, not just for his institutional knowledge, but for his recruiting as well. Thank you, George, for staying with us this long, and I think you're going to have a lot more fun working with this staff than you have the last couple here in Humphrey Coliseum. So that's our doghouse for this Friday morning, and we'll be obviously closely watching this baseball weekend from Fayetteville. It will be probably warmer than the dogs will, but um, you know the heat will be on in all Bulldog country as they try to to pull the Diamond Dogs through. They've got to pull something off this weekend, certainly. Come back with at least one, come back with two, and boy, you've got some momentum building for April. And until then, we'll be talking again later as we wrap up the weekend and um, our Overreaction Monday podcast, uh, also covering spring football and any goings-on because, uh, oh, that's right, we're not far away from the spring basketball signing season. Of course, the 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 portal has been busy for the Lady Bulldogs, too. Uh, a couple of kids have already decided to check out. So we'll be seeing how Mississippi State replaces those also through the portal and how Coach Jans starts working on his own lineup as well. Never a slow time, but always something to talk about here on The Doghouse. This is your host, David Murray, and we're on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.